want you to go! If we go, there's a chance there won't be a fight. There's no powder. If we don't go in that, there's no chance. None. You understand? If the worst happens... You stay alive. You stay alive, no matter what occurs. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. They don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, stop. But what's weird... For the love. On my little news sheet, it keeps saying that they are. Honestly, this week, more than ever. More than ever. This is bananas what we got going for you today. This week, Ken and I are talking about The Last of the Mohicans, the 1992 Michael Mann movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Madeline Stowe, Russell Means, Stephen Waddington, and Wes Studi. You thought Thanksgiving was over. No, we're coming at you with some Native American action uh, and a white guy, I guess. Uh, I was going to say, the reason we picked this movie is because it's about Native Americans, but mostly about white people. <laughs> Just ha- like Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, but before Kenna and I recast the top five characters, you know, disputed. Yeah, um, we had a tough time. We're going to talk to you about some incredible reboot news right up top. I mean, when I say incredible, it's truly unbelievable. Um, Ridley Scott moving forward with Gladiator 2, Peter Craig to write script for Paramount. While he has been eyeing other projects that include a coming-of-age Merlin movie at Disney, Ridley Scott has begun forward progress on a sequel to Gladiator, the 2000 film which garnered 11 Oscar nominations and five wins, including Best Picture and Best Actor for Russell Crowe. While Crowe's Maximus character met his end in the classic original film, Gladiator 2 will follow the continuing story of Lucius, the son of Lucilla, played by Connie Nielsen. The youth was the nephew of Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix, the Weasley son of Roman leader Marcus Aurelius, who murdered his father, seized the throne, and wound up in the gladiator ring with Maximus, who, though mortally wounded, skewered the emperor before fading into the great beyond to reunite with his slain wife and son. Maximus saved the boy and his mother while avenging his own family and left a strong impression on the young Lucius. Okay. This is the second movie that we have rebooted. That we have done. A, a Gladiator episode was like four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty early on. It was very early. We talked about uh, a weird trivia thing where they were been trying to make Gladiator 2 for years and they were yeah. going to do some like time travel the weirdness. The idea that – who was it who was supposed to write it? Uh, Nick Cave was Nick supposed Cave. to write yeah. the sequel that would have been about a time traveling Maximus who gladiates across history. <laughs> and like he would end up at like the CIA. Yeah. Or like Which, MI6. If you recall, we were not mad about. The idea was a lot of fun. Just watching a Maximus series that's essentially him traveling through history, fighting different battles. I was mad because he was like going to save persecuted Christians, but then like he was going to be reincarnated into other warriors. Oh, right, and right, I was right. kind of like, wait, 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 which belief system are we going True. with here? Like why, why is he not dead? <clears throat> but apparently the idea that we're working with now is that Lucius has grown up and is uh, perhaps following in the footsteps of his hero, Maximus. Gladiator, are you the one they call the Spaniard? Yes. They said you were a giant. They said you could crush a man's skull with one hand. Man's? No. The boys. That sounds a lot better to me, but I just, again, I'm like, what's the rise and fall here for Lucius? You know what I mean? Like, because he supposedly is going to have to become a gladiator, right? Even though he's the emperor? I don't know. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. I feel like it's going to take a weird turn. 
and honestly, I just don't know if this movie, if a sequel to this movie works minus uh, Russell Crowe, minus Joaquin Phoenix. Like you, we've we've taken the the people who made such an impact on us in the first movie. Mm. They're gone, which is fine. Like if they died at the end of this movie and there was nothing else that happened, that's totally fine. Yeah. But picking his story up later in his life, I'm like, okay, who are these other characters that? are going to take us into this. Honestly, I think I'm a little upset that like if they remade Gladiator, just sign the check over to Tom Hardy. Just do it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just sign just, just give him this movie. Sure. And where does does he have a place in this movie? Cuz he should be in this he movie. He has to be in this movie. The other thing is like so Marcus Aurelius was like a real person. Mm-hmm. So we're, I don't think the original Gladiator followed much of the, his his life's history, but like, are they going to borrow from history? Or are they just going to say screw it? We don't care. I mean, I think they're going to say screw it. We don't care. Yeah. I'm just imagining this. Whereas I think Gladiator tried to keep the idea of like you know a man fallen from grace who has to fight for his life. Like they tried to make that as realistic as possible. Yeah. Like how how awful the battles in the Colosseum were. And so it sort of seems like this movie is just not like it's going to be an entirely different animal. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like it's going to be taken as seriously as the well, first one. Uh, well, I mean, the original director's back. I, I just it's like it's hard to make a sequel to a revenge film when the revenge is avenged. But this is Ridley Scott 2018 we're talking about. Oh, God. I just remember I cut this out of one of our pods when I was editing, but I believe we implored him to stick to Gladiator. <laughs> And now he is sticking to Gladiator, and I regret. I regret it. Honestly, right after Gladiator 2001, sure, sure, make this movie. But now, oh god, post Alien Covenant. Oh boy, what are we gonna do with you, Ridley? I also read this funny. This is just a side note. <laughs> I read this funny note that Mindy Kaling tweeted one time that was like, "I would constantly pitch in the office writers room that Michael Scott was Ridley and Tony Scott's cousin that they didn't want to have anything to do with." And that I think is one of the most hilarious. Why didn't they do that? I've ever heard. I think because they were like, okay, that's insane. But it's not insane in the sense that if Michael had just said it at some point in the series, it would, it would, it would have been really funny. Um, on to the next Andy Muschietti to direct reimagined the time machine from HG Wells sci-fi classic Warner brothers, Paramount picture and Appian way have teamed with it. Chapter two director and chapter one director. That's odd. Andy Muschietti and his producer sister. (laughs) I don't know why referring to them that way makes me laugh. Barbara Muschietti to develop a new version of the time machine. Andy and Barbara have written a treatment for the film and Andy will direct it. Barbara will produce it with Appian ways, Jennifer Davison and Leonardo DiCaprio. Arnold Leibovitz will be executive producer. He executive produced the 2002 version of the film that Simon Wells directed and starred Guy Pierce. That was the second version of the film, with the first directed by George Powell in 1960. Both are based on the science fiction classic written by H.G. Wells, the visionary science fiction author who also wrote War of the Worlds. Now, I don't know how you feel about the time machine, but I felt like we had to include this because we need to talk about the Guy Pierce movie. I, I definitely saw it. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember it being not great. And I I think I was significantly older than you when I saw when it came out. So my uh, more advanced brain. Wow. <laughs> no, I just it was like I, I don't remember why I just didn't like it. I love Guy Pierce though. Guy Pierce is great. 
What's odd about this movie is that he travels like 800,000 years into the future. Yeah. And Jeremy Irons plays this over the top. I think he's like a evolved human. So we bred ourselves into castes. Some to be our eyes and ears. Some to be our muscles and sinews. Oh, you mean you're hunters? Yes. Bred to be predators. It's overly CGI'd. Yes. It's overly 2002. Like, it is just, it's a movie made in 2002. I think it was like. And suits its time. In the wake of The Mummy, right? So it, it was, I felt like it was trying to ride that Scorpion King kind of wave, and it just was Which like, is so why? funny, because truly looking at The Mummy, which, I mean, I could teach a college class about how good The Mummy is. Oh, you will. One day you will. <laughs> Keep dreaming. You, it'll, you can achieve. Um, that is a very standard version of a story. They do not veer too far. It is very, um, there's a lot of CGI. There's a lot of big set pieces, but they don't diverge too far from there's a mummy with a curse who wants revenge. Yeah. This business was like, he's in the future, but also there's crazy animals and <laughs> it's, it's just, it's too much. It's very like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Like Traveler goes into a distance which in is time funny space, because if you wakes up into this like post-apocalyptic if you think about this time machine and tim burton's planet of the apes very similar movies, very similar movies. in the way they're made yeah I, I i mean we're all enjoying the it's the it movies i guess well we'll see about part two but yeah i mean did they have a take i'll watch what he i'll watch what he's got definitely i'll watch i'll also, watch what he's got shout out to samantha mumba <laughs> british pop star samantha mumba who was in the time machine with guy pierce and in nothing else samantha mumba i don't remember this one don't wanna love you if you don't love me you can just play the song On to the next. On to the next. Will Ferrell joins Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Fox Searchlight's Force Majeure remake Downhill. Will Ferrell is attached to star with Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Downhill, Fox Searchlight's remake of Ruben Ostlin's acclaimed Swedish drama comedy Force Majeure. Oscar winners Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, the descendants, have come on board to direct. The biting comedy will chart how a narrow avalanche escape during a ski vacation in the Alps throws a seemingly picture-perfect family into disarray as they are forced to reevaluate life and how they truly feel about each other. Will Ferrell... Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yes and yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we'll take it and done. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it. And for anyone who hasn't seen Force Majeure, go watch it. I but also, it. you should watch it. Because I don't want to ruin what happens. Sure. But it is a very darkly funny, but also just fascinating look at uh, family dynamics um, and how... Being in the middle of a disaster area, I think, brings out the truth in people okay um but yeah i don't want to spoil it ruin the the sort of a uh, big inciting incident um because it's very interesting but yeah uh nat faxon has been in a ton of movies jim rash is the uh principal or the dean in community the dean. they're writing duo and they're yeah they're a writing duo who's very talented what's weird the only thing i remember nat faxon 
like he's in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. The only thing I remember him being in is in Orange County. Actually, I have an idea for a TV show. It's about vampires, ostensibly, you know, but underneath. It's actually about the reunification of Germany. Yeah, I think this is going to be great. Two wonderful comedic actors, two incredible writers. Let's do it. All right, guys, grab some leftovers, heat them up, and uh, get ready to feel good on this uh, remake of The Last of the Mohicans. And while you do that, Kenna's going to read us some rules here. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of. That is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen The Last of the Mohicans, pause us right now and go watch Michael Mann's definitive director's cut. It's worth your time. Rule number one, no remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. We can't do a movie that's already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like... Alien. Alien. That's a good one. That pop back up with sequels every few decades. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no Tinder casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Okay, guys, this is the remake of The Last of the Mohicans. That Huron captain back there. The guard is a mohawk. No mohawk is Huron. No reason that he had to murder the girl. Murder, huh? You never set eyes on her before today. She's only been here a week. Blood vengeance? A reproach or insult? Of course not. How is it you were so nearby? Came across the war party. Tracked him. Then you're assigned to Fort William Henry. No. Fort Edward then. Heading west to Kentucky. I thought all our colonial scouts were in the militia. The militia is fighting the French in the north. I ain't your scout. You sure ain't no damn militia. The Last of the Mohicans, made in 1992, directed by Michael Mann, acclaimed director of such movies as Heat, Manhunter, and Collateral. Notoriously known for being very meticulous in the way he makes things. Mm -hmm. This movie stars Daniel Day-Lewis, also a very meticulous man, as Hawkeye, a.k.a. Nathaniel Poe. Madeline Stowe as Cora Monroe. Stephen Waddington as Major Duncan Hayward. Wes Studi as the Huron Indian Magua. War Captain. War Captain Magua. And Russell Means as... Oh, I practice how to pronounce this. (laughs) Chinga Chikuk. I mean, yeah. Chingachikuk? Chingachikuk. 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 Yeah. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so well, we were talking about this very briefly. Uh, you you claimed that this movie was your tombstone, which I, is a crazy. I love this movie. Do you? I love it. Literally, th- as soon as... Um, Because this movie starts with like a tiny prologue that's like, hey, we're in the middle of the French and Indian War. Mm-hmm. And then the music like swells over the credits. And the very first thing I wrote was this movie is so beautiful. It makes me want to cry. <laughs> you know, we haven't done a very like sweeping period piece epic. So it's kind of funny that uh, this is the one. I, I I enjoyed my time watching this movie, but I couldn't help mm-hmm. but think that like not a lot really happens. I think the number one problem with this movie is that when you try to condense a great work of American fiction Mm -hmm. into a movie Mm -hmm. just in one sitting. There's a lot that goes missing and there's a lot of like weird concessions that you have to make. Like the book isn't a love story. This is a love story. And I think it takes you a minute. It's it's interesting because I think it takes you a minute to get to the A story, but the movie is a love story. Also, apparently, Michael Mann created a three-hour version of this movie (laughs) And it then the like studio was, 
No way. This movie moves so quickly. He made a three-hour version of this movie, and then the studio was like, we can't release this. And so he cut it down. He cut it down to under two hours, and then I think a few years later cut his final vision, which is now what's like out. It's the only copy the you world. can like, yeah, watch. Um and yeah, it's like right at two hours. And so I think there's some stuff that we're missing. Yeah. Honestly, I think the great what I'm assuming is the greatest casualty of that missing hour is the low-key love story between Alice and Uncas. Yeah. Which is so like it 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 messes with the emotional payoff at the very end. But really, when you get to the end and you realize that there was a love story between them, you're like, crap, we missed like like I would have watched three hours if it included this sort of a little more head. juice. This was sort of in my head. How come they're not the main character? How come they're not the main relationship? Just because it's not in the in the material. Wait, what do you mean? Like, why isn't Uncas and Addy, Addy, Alice, Alice is the youngest? Why sister? aren't they the main focus of this story? Why is it Hawkeye? And Cora? And Cora. Because you could say equally, like, hmm. they're doing the it's same thing. an interesting question. They literally go through the same adventure together. And this is sort of me just being like, here we go watching Daniel Day-Lewis be... He's not really a white savior because his character is supposed to be white. Yeah. Hawkeye is a white man who was adopted as yeah. a child into a, a Native American tribe. Also, they should have kept his original name from the book. It's interesting because in the trivia, they said that Natty Bumpo was just... It sounded silly. It does sound silly. But that was his name. Yeah. And he's like a major character in this like series of, series of novels. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like how come Uncas isn't the focus of the story? Are you thinking like what would have made sense is that if Hawkeye's story is like the main plot mm-hmm. and his sort of dealings with like the British army and the militia, like if that is like his adventure and then sitting below that is the love story, which is his brother and like the young British woman, essentially, why does Hawkeye get all of this stuff up top and some of these characters lying yeah. low just don't have story? You artic- articulated it much better than I was articulating it. But it, in my head, I was just seeing like these two pairs of characters like it, there's redundancy here. Like they're they're both doing the exact same thing in the exact same story. And yet we don't we only see one of their sides. Mm-hmm. We we were denied like the other material because it is it's redundant. So my I'm just sort of being devil's advocate. Like, why aren't we focusing on the last of the Mohicans, which is Uncas? Technically. But, but I think what's really fascinating I think what makes this version of the story so interesting is that now, in a weird way, Uncas is the last of the Mohicans because he's the one who can continue the line. Yeah. And now it sort of falls to a white man who, by all accounts from his family, is a Mohican, but by blood is not. not. And I think that's really fascinating that at the Mm -hmm. end of the movie, you're like, oh, this person who was not born into it now is the only person to carry on the traditions of yeah. this tribe. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk, let's talk about Hawkeye played by the exquisite Daniel day Lewis. Uh, this was very hard to cast. Like, I don't yeah. know who the famous line. I will find you. Oh, like, gosh. I don't know how many actors can deliver that without you being like, mm, yeah, without- right, buddy, <laughs> you know, without rolling your eyes a bit, but you believe. Yeah. And he has such a presence in this movie too, which is strange. Like this is like his blockbuster quote unquote. This is like his blockbuster movie. That yeah. He made. He'd only ever done indies before yeah. this. This is his first like major motion picture. And then even after this, he went back to indies and then he like, mm-hmm. you know, there will be blood and, and Lincoln, but th- I, I would never call those blockbuster movies. Yeah. His performance is incredible. 
And it's so, I mean, this is why he's such a great actor. It's not over the top. It is <laughs> as over the top as he is as an actor, meaning per the trivia, his method, he, basically. he lived in the woods yeah. for like a month before he started filming. Um, everything is so like everything that could be taken to the next level, like the part where he's like fighting with Hayward and he's like, that is sedition. He's mm -hmm. like, that is the truth. If English law cannot be trusted, maybe these people would do better making their own peace with the French. That is sedition. That is the truth. I'll have you beaten from this fort. Someday I think you and I are going to have a serious disagreement. That's good. Like you could, it's so well delivered. Yeah. He's great. He's very hard to replace. He's also a little insane. Um, <laughs> I think you should go first. Okay. I had a really hard time casting this. Yeah. And I made a very strange choice. Sure. But at the same time, I thought to myself, this makes sense. And I think maybe the way I was judging him is based on, uh, past roles he's played that have painted him in a way that I don't think he is as an actor. I picked Robert Pattinson. Huh. I see where you're going. Like Pattinson's trajectory as mm -hmm. an actor. I get why you picked him. Um, I unfortunately have not seen his later movies to be like, yes, but I know I get, I get why you picked him. So I'm not going to say it's a bad pick. It's, it's jarring. Like <laughs> yeah. we all think of him as the twilight guy, mm -hmm. but I'm actually, I am going to look him up. Like, I think I have seen him in something. Because subsequent movies, um, the he, most recent, is it Good Times or Good Time? Good Time. Apparently he was incredible in. People, I feel like the overwhelming response to him now is, wow, we really misjudged him by putting him in the teen heartthrob yeah. hole. Lost City of Z, Cosmopolis. I didn't hear great things about Cosmopolis. There's another movie he was like recently in. I can see him losing himself in a part like this. Yeah. And I think we would see it and be like, okay. He he definitely seems like he he wants to become that actor that he will transform into roles and leave behind these like Harry Potter Twilight movies that he was sort of stuck doing. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah. Um fuck it. Yeah, let's let's roll. <laughs> let's let's roll Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I believe in you Robert Pattinson. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I picked an actor. I don't know if many people are going to know. Uh, I think he's also Irish. He's also 35. So that helps his movie choices, uh, very limited, but I saw him in uh, a BBC remake of, and then there were none and he was fucking incredible in it. Interesting. And I almost picked him for something. I think I almost picked him for Dracula, but I don't remember. But, um, I picked Aiden Turner. Mm, Do you know mm -hmm. who that is? Yes. Moviegoers will know him from the awful Hobbit movies that he was in. And arguably he was kind of the breakout star of those movies. Like yeah, people probably didn't know a lot about him, and then his character, I think, made yeah. him He was um, he was the love interest for Evangeline Lilly. And what's funny is like which, she only did the movie so that like because she was like, I don't want a love story. And then they wrote in a love story. Which she's like a made up character. I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien is rolling around <laughs> in his grave because of those movies. But um, he's on a show called Poldark, which mm -hmm. people like, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen a minute of it. But I have a friend who watches it. And it I, honestly, I feel like it's <laughs> I feel like the way some people watch that is the way I watch Outlander. Like yeah. it's sort of a like <laughs> it's a period piece, like guilty pleasure. Yeah. Watch the BBC's the recent version of uh, And Then There Were None. He plays one of the characters and he plays such a great sort of like mysterious, charming 
guy that I was like, for Hawkeye, like, if this is your right, like, if we're going to focus on the love story, mm-hmm. then this guy has to be sort of that, like, leading love story guy where it's like he runs out of the woods, saves Cora and her family, and then is just like, I'll get you where you're going. And then she's like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> you're wounded. You should try walking on back to Albany. They'll never make a passage north. We were headed to Fort William Henry. We'll take you as far as the fort. We're walking out of here fast. And then legitimately you're a little like, what's going on until he's like, oh, I've got a reason to stay. (laughs) And you're like, wow, okay, we're doing this. Yeah, but he also has to like stand in the colonel's office and sort of like stand up for himself, the militia. He sort of has to play these two worlds, Mm -hmm. the like geopolitical landscape and then also like fall in love with the colonel's daughter. Daniel Day-Lewis has a little bit of uh, Gary Oldman in Dracula syndrome in this movie where it's the early 90s. Yeah. He's going full tilt. And he's cast in this role where I think he's supposed to sort of be this like wild man heartthrob character and you're looking at Daniel Day-Lewis circa 1992 (laughs) like do I feel this way? Like it was the same conundrum I had watching Gary Oldman in Dracula. And honestly... I'm into it. It was easy for to be like, yeah, obviously you're going to fall for Daniel Day-Lewis in this one versus like Gary Oldman and Dracula where he <laughs> he literally looks like Ozzy Osbourne. And like, Those little glasses. Oh, my God. Um, Cora Monroe, uh, played by Madeline Stowe. I was bummed because I picked an actress and like I put her in here and I was like, uh, I think she would be great for all the reasons that I had in my brain, which I'm mm-hmm. about to talk about. But then the trivia, I guess in the book, she, she was like mixed race. Yeah. And I was like, well, I fucked this up. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, if you if you want to keep it uh um, she was supposed to be half black or she was half Puerto Rican. Half, half because black. her in the book her dad when stationed in like the West Indies like oh. has a child with uh an an African woman who I don't think is fully African either so she's like she's a, a, a very small amount Dominican yeah. yeah. But um, So I yeah. went with a very white, very British actress. Um, as did they as did they um but the reason i picked this actress is because cora admittedly what i liked about admittedly no fuck it she straight up has a strength which i really enjoyed Uh like as opposed to alice who alice is sort of like the meeker one and always need protection until like the middle she's like like i'm not gonna be like a doting schoolgirl anymore Mm -hmm. cora is she's surprised about how much she enjoys living this kind of frontier lifestyle Mm -hmm. It's not as I imagined it would be, thinking of it in Boston and London. Sorry to disappoint you. No, on the contrary. It's just more deeply stirring to my blood than any imagining could possibly have been. So Cora has to have, kind of has to be like a badass. So I picked a British actress who I think is beautiful and played a dope-ass badass spy in Mission Impossible 6, and 5 and 6. I picked Rebecca Ferguson. She's wonderful. She's great. That's it. Cool. Caster. Boom. Signed. Signed. Done. Deal done. <laughs> send out the, send out the oh, deal memo. No, I'm sorry. She won't work for under uh for under a hundred thousand. So we're gonna have to <laughs> Wait, what is oh is that? That's like what a, happens when you try to cast people. I no, that I think like that's a, a really impossible. solid that's a really solid choice. She's Thanks. a great actress. And I agree. I think that there is a specific quality to the way Madeline Stowe plays the character in that she's very sturdy. Yeah. And 
in a way that Alice's mind essentially breaks because I think that's what happens. Like she witnesses this first, like she sees all of her father's men or all of Hayward's men essentially get scalped right in front of her and she is broken. Mm -hmm. And Cora is the strong one. She Mm -hmm. is the one who cannot be broken Mm -hmm. and realizes that she has to help take care of her sister. And so there is something I think you, it's almost indescribable that you're like, she just has to be this way. Yeah. Um, where you could see her adapting the wood person's lifestyle. <laughs> I don't the know. Woodsman, the frontiersman. The frontiersman. Hun- frontiers person. Is New York home. the front? Was New York the frontier at the time? I northern northern New York is currently the frontier today. <laughs> Have you been to Albany? Have you been to Syracuse? Have you been to Buffalo? I haven't. Wild places. <laughs> Wild landscape. I mean, it's interesting. This movie did remind me of home a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, it's shot in like the Carolinas, uh, too far from where you grew up. Yeah. Green, very green, beautiful, foggy hills. Stunning. Stunning. This movie is perfect. Don't change a thing. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I sort of felt the same way. I felt like I had to cast an actress that to me felt like she could take on, to take on everything. She's like patching people up at the fort. She's shooting people during the like uh, war party raid towards the end. And so I think she has to have sort of all the, but she's also like, you see her at the beginning and you're like, oh, she's this very uh, well put together young woman. Um, I picked a British actress, Gemma Arterton, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whom I love. And I don't think she's fully gotten onto her uh, exactly what she needs to be. Like she's been in a lot of sort of, non-starts she was in prince of persia clash of the titans uh so she's been doing a lot of low-key stuff but she's a fantastic actress she's stunning and i think she's also just very british (laughs) yeah i mean that's really all you need hansel and gretel Witch she was hunters. in that with, uh, yeah with uh jeremy reynolds clash of the titans renner renner reynolds (laughs) my good friend jeremy reynolds yeah was i Mm, I thought I had picked her in something, but I guess I haven't used her. But that's a bummer. Yeah, she's she is exactly that kind of like strength, you know, in the face of danger, but also can kind of be like weirdly like Cora admittedly is supposed to be like a rare beauty. Like this is a romance. Like she is, you know, high status. She's mm-hmm. beautiful. She, you know, is coming from like, quote unquote, the soft city of like the modern world because they set out sort of like they the women need to be taken care of yeah. like hayward is going to escort them to the fort and then it's all about like keeping them protected as they travel and oh, she's like she's 32 rob rob pat how old rob pat 32 oh look at that match made in heaven um, i also love just as a as a thing how every woman in a period drama who has to like reject a proposal is essentially like thanks for the compliment but no oh god and he keeps proposing to her all like the when time. they get to the fort and hayward's like cool when we're married like none of this is gonna matter and she's like, she's like what? what when we come together back in england and are married and away from this place what had to be done and said here will matter not at all duncan i promised you an answer you've complimented me with your persistence and patience but the decision I have come to is that I'd rather make the gravest of mistakes and to surrender my own judgment. Yeah, you're right. Because it's very like so Jane polite. Austen to sort of be like, oh, you flatter me. No, 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 girl. No. You're allowed to be like, I don't want this. Even when she rejects him for the third time, she still has to be like, I once thought that you had some <laughs> redeeming qualities. 
But now I have changed Which, my mind. Let's just get to Hayward because his whole his whole idea of the proposal is very odd. Because yeah. when she's like, I mean, I, I see us as friends. He's like, well, yeah, like we're friends, so we should get married and we'll just see what happens. How come he didn't go after Alice? That seemed like a much better fit. That's a good question. I don't know. They're both kind of the weaker willed. I, I'm wondering two. how old she's supposed to be. Well, the actor who played Hayward uh, was like 24. Yeah. Which was crazy compared to. Uh, Jody May is only like 18. Yeah. Like he's closer to her age than Madeline Stowe. I feel yeah. like. Um, Major Duncan Hayward played by Stephen Waddington. What a douche. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Hayward comes through in the end. Yeah, he does. But the thing is, is like his honor is his downfall. Like when they're at the fort and Hawkeye is like, you were at the village. You saw what happened to the villagers, to the the family that are my friends. Tell the colonel what is going on and let the militia go. And his like honor to country was like, no, dude. I don't know what I saw. Oh, so aggravating. But it's so it's And it got him so, in the end. It's so redeeming for at the end for Hawkeye to be like, tell them. Tell them I I am they can take me in his place. And he's like, Cool, yeah, I did. And then when he's like he offers himself up so they can leave together. My death is a great honor to the Huron. Take me. Tell him? Yes. Said, take me. Take me! My compliments, sir! Take her! Get out! I think it's entirely... He gave his life so she could be happy. honorable, but to a fault. Yeah, I mean, but is it... (laughs) Look, it helps us with the ending because then he's just like out of the picture and they can just do whatever they want. But like the C story of this whole movie is Hayward realizing that the war itself is much messier than just, I believe in the British and that's what I'm fighting for. Yeah, you're up. Um, okay, so I made a choice that it was sort of a last minute choice, but I spent some time yesterday watching this person's show mm-hmm. that they are starring in, uh, that it just hit Netflix. It was on the BBC. And I think honestly, I just, I was thinking about him in a different way and I hadn't really seen him as a strong enough actor for mm-hmm. something like this, but he's really great. I picked Richard Madden, uh, from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. whose new show Bodyguard, which just hit Netflix, is really good. Um, and he's very good in it. I see him as this sort of like proper English uh, gentleman soldier who, by his only fault being how much he cares, is just taking everything too far. He was on my list. Mm-hmm. I almost put him on. And the reason I didn't was because he's an attractive man. Yes, he's very pretty. And if you're going to put him up against Robert Pattinson, I don't know if Robert Pattinson's going to win. Robert Pattinson, slap a wig on him. (laughs) Scruff him up a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it'll be neck and neck. Look, but (laughs) he's very talented. And uh, like his Rob Stark character is kind of the same. Like he's there to do his duty, like to his family and to his country basically mm-hmm. to a fault and it yeah. gets him spoiler it gets him fucking killed you're worried this is going to be a crimson peak situation where mio Wasikowski has charlie hunnam at home and leaves to go be with tom hiddleston and the whole audience says girl <laughs> what yeah i'm a little worried that it's like wh- you can't make him like so handsome because then people are going to be like 
well, this is a dumb idea. Like, well, that's part of what, like, that's part of what the whole thing is. Like, he should be the obvious option for her. She should be more than happy to be married to this man. Oh, like if you make but, him so enticing and she still rejects him. But the thing is, like, she she knows that a life with him would not make her happy, and she has that choice to make. And I think it makes it way more interesting because it's like she see, she sees the faults in him that I think like her dad is like, no, he's a perfect soldier. That's a good point. Um, I, I went for an actor who was great, although I, I don't know a lot of his work. I had to watch a lot of clips of The Crown, even though I'd been meaning to watch it a lot. But wouldn't overshadow the beauty of the main character. <laughs> Although some fanboys or fangirls would be like, um, excuse me, time out. But I picked um, Matt Smith from The Crown okay. and Doctor Who. I think he's really good in what I've seen him in. Yeah. And could play that kind of uh, – he's a little older than the main two. I was trying to find someone younger. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't – honestly, this one might have been the hardest guy because it's like you need someone who you are going to want to hate most of the time. Right. Even though he's technically a quote-unquote good guy Mm -hmm. and then in the end can pull off that moment of sacrifice where he's just like – where Hawkeye's like, tell them. What are you doing? Tell them. And he's like – I told – it's like, don't worry about it. I'm going – this is what I want. Like this is kind of the the (laughs) moment. That scene paraphrased is so funny. Did you tell them? (laughs) Well, yeah. It's cool. It's chill. They're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um. So I went with I went with Matt Smith. Okay, he, he's so a well-known actor. People like I think he'd also sell tickets. <laughs> People honestly. would show up to see Matt Smith as the third major character. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so your your two leads, your two male leads, are then Matt Smith and Aiden Turner. And Aiden Turner. Okay, I'm pulling out all the BBC stops you here. Are. You know what I mean? I mean, he, here's the thing: Matt Smith has proven to be an incredible actor. The Crown is amazing. Doctor Who is wonderful. Although I could also teach a college class about why when he became the doctor, the show really went downhill. It's okay. Guys, sign up for my university. There will just be <laughs> Kenna talks. three hour lectures about these things. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's a really interesting choice. I'm not in love with it, I'll admit, but I, I know his talent could pull it off. If you guys have any better choices, I, I'd be fine. I'm, I'm open ears for sure. That's true. I feel like my choices are so odd. Like yeah. literally, I would Real. love to hear. Who this you is an think odd could, movie. This who is could an fill odd movie. The shoes. It's a romantic period piece action movie. You know yeah. what I mean? That's strange. Starring Daniel Fucking Day Lewis. Nails it. Uh, Magua. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Magua meets back up with the French captain, and they're having this discussion about how Magua's like, "I'm gonna eat the gray hair's heart, and nothing's gonna stop me." Magua became. Blood brother to the Mohawk to become free, but always in his heart, he is Euron, and his heart will be whole again on the day the gray hair and all his seed are dead. And then the French captain is like, Well, I can't break the terms of surrender and attack a party leaving the fort <laughs> wink 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 and then the scene ends he's like bye that french captain was living large in his tent oh, he was yeah. just like all i have to do is there wait was a choir of children <laughs> who came to sing for him. singing a completely different song than their mouths were making <laughs> it's it was so great. bad magua it did okay. not sync up magua played by west studi i don't know how you replace this he's actor. perfect uh, He's perfect. You might know Wes Studi from the Street Fighter movie <laughs> as the villain Sagat. 
but yeah, he was, uh, he's like a one of a kind. So this mm-hmm. one was a little hard. I, I kind of went with an obvious choice. This actor's kind of in the zeitgeist. I think he tends to play more good guys. So I, I was sort of like, yeah, let's, let's give him a revenge kind of slant. I picked Zon McLaren from, uh, Westworld and Fargo. Guess what? You picked the same guy? I did too. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, which, look, I spent a day, a full day, <laughs> the, 24-hour time period searching through as many Native American actors, First Nation actors as I could find. Yeah. And this just goes to show, like, we need to hire way more indigenous people actors. And four parts that are not Native American, like, written characters right. because in all honesty it it made me it made me sad because i was like yes we have the ghost nation in westworld which gave us a lot of great um great native american actors mm-hmm. Um, but then you just go through the list of like all of these like i saw the same like five actors in episodes of longmire in wind river in yellowstone yellowstone they're all in twilight <laughs> see that's why it would have been so easy to cast uncas is because there was like i'm gonna say it a crop oh. of native young Native American <laughs> actors who were in that movie who were great. And it's just, it's a little disappointing. And I re- I ended up reading a bunch of stuff. Like Adam Beach wrote this um, incredible letter yeah. to open letter on, in like Deadline or like the Hollywood Reporter that was essentially just like, what is up, guys? Yeah. Like, we're here. We're here. And it's just insanity that there's no parts branching out for us. Yeah. But it, we as Hollywood need to do a lot better. Sure. Um, I um, agree. So- Zon McLaren was in season a season of Fargo, which I didn't watch, but I watched him on Westworld, uh, and I loved his performance in that in the the episode of Westworld, like one of the only episodes I watched this season because I thought the show was kind of I tapered off at the end, tapered off, yeah, me too. But that episode was incredible, and he gave mm-hmm. an incredible performance in that. So I'm glad I watched that because yeah. I would have been lost without him. So that's who I picked. That's who you picked. Yeah, great job. We did it. We did it. Should we move on to Chingak? Chingachgook. Yes, we should. I, I'm never going to get it right. <laughs> Who is an ent- almost entirely silent character. We only hear him speak in whatever dialect they're speaking, which apparently, according to the um, trivia, they used over 900 Native American actors to play all the many characters Parts. and extras. And when they speak to each other, everybody spoke their own language. So apparently, if you understand any manner of dialect, it would sound like gobbledygook. It would be like if a none bunch of them of, are speaking the same. Yeah, language. it would be like if you hire a bunch of Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Filipino actors yes. to play a group of Asian people, and they all just spoke their native language or their like country's languages. It would be awful. Which, when you put <laughs> it, it like awful. that, is egregious. It's so, egregious. This is a little bit uh, of insanity. You would think that Michael Mann would be like, listen, I know this is going to be difficult, but we all need to learn Huron and uh, Mohican. Like Like, whatever you're playing, like there has to be. You have to know you have to you're going to have to know French. You're going to have to know English. You're going to have to know whatever. Le Francais. Le Francais. Parlez-vous anglais? Um, Whatever like native tongue your character speaks, you're going to have to learn that. Yeah. Just at least the lines, you know, like. How hard could that have been? Ugh, it was really upsetting when I read that. So I picked an actor. I went back and forth on a couple of people and I picked, ended up picking someone because he has such a range. I picked Gil Birmingham. Uh, I was, I almost picked him. Who I genuinely, I kept thinking about his role and he played Jeff Bridges' partner in Hell or High Water and his performance in that is incredible. Like, well, that whole movie is amazing, but he is so good. 
in it that I was like, I, I want that he's a little bit older, but I was like, oh, man, I really want, um, I really want this actor in yeah. this particular area, but also he's, he's really funny. Like he's in, uh, the unbreakable Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt, um, which I don't honestly don't know how problematic that storyline is, but he is very funny. So uh, did you see wind river? He, n- yes. Okay. That's the other Taylor Sheridan yeah. movie. Yes. Oh, the one with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Yes. He plays a father whose daughter goes missing and he is right. phenomenal in that role. And why? D- I think the only reason I didn't pick him up was like, yeah, he's edging a little older, but he is so good. And he's really good. Now I'm kind of bummed I didn't pick him. But um, Also, he is a physical presence is much larger than Russell Means. Yeah. Um, And so imagining him with that he's like guy. sort of giant blue modified tomahawk thing like but i've definitely i mean watching a movie where he's in where he loses a child for sure like he would fucking knock it out oh the part where he like breaks magua's elbow and it's that like gnarly compound fracture oh that fight was dope he he went like full like him and hawkeye went full john wick oh it was (laughs) buh Nana. It was awesome. And then his uh his sad little like tribute to his son at the end where he's just like, I am the last of the weakest. It was just like, oh great spirit and the maker of all life. A warrior goes to you swift and straight as an arrow shot into the sun. Welcome him and let him take his place at the council fire of my people. Where they are all there but one. I went with a different actor just because um this was my weird reasoning and it's not like I like aged up almost everybody, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, Ching, Chingak, how come I'm the only one who has to say this name? Say it again. Chingachgook. Chingachgook. Just let your, let your mouth catch on all of the hard okay. consonant sounds. So, uh, except for Chingachgook, who I thought would be, it, it could be like maybe a little more interesting to like age him down and maybe his son be a little younger too, just so it's like, you can sort of see like. The, the these are like the these are like the last of their kind and they're so young mm-hmm. and then it's like i don't know the idea that like the white man's just gonna come and just sort of like take over would be i don't know this is my weird little idea i i went with adam beach like you mentioned mm-hmm. uh from Wind Talker. weirdly i didn't remember him from suicide squad but uh, i don't he, remember anything in because suicide he squad. dies like, I feel like it was such a thing that they were like, yeah, Adam Beach, like diversity. Here oh, we go. Man. He dies early on in the movie and he barely says anything. Well, and I, it is terrible. I erased most of that movie from my brain. But uh, yeah, I went with uh, Adam Beach, who's been in so many yeah, movies. He's wonderful. Flags of Our Fathers, I think he was in. But I just liked him as sort of like he's because I feel like he could now start aging into that like fatherly role that Gil Barrington like now occupies. It's fascinating because there is something to part of the reason I didn't cast him for like anything is I feel like he has such a kind face. Yeah. I was like, he really just does not look like he has been hardened (laughs) by years of of, he just seems like such a nice guy. I know that's Um, that's sort of like makeup semantics. Right. But um, yeah, no, he's fantastic. Um, That's it. We're done. Um, that's uh, that's so Bye. That, so that rounds out our cast of five. Let's get to uh, where does Barry Pepper go? <gasps> so many white people to put Mr. Barry Pepper in. I, so many. So many. But they were all English and French. Um, I put him as Jack Winthrop, who was the, the frontiersman who was trying to organize the militia to, mm. to fight for the British. The one and, who's like, is he supposed to be Irish? He no. a little bit of an accent. I don't know. I don't, 
don't know if he was supposed to be Irish, but like he is the one who tries to get all the men to sign up for the militia. Mm-hmm. And then once they're in the militia and Hawkeye's like, yeah, all the villages are being like attacked, tries to get out and is like the British, mm-hmm. their word is trash. Yeah. And like they did not he sneaks out. Yeah. So that's where I put him. That's a good choice. Um, I cast Barry Pepper as Captain Beams, mm-hmm. played by the incomparable Pete Postlewaite. Mm-hmm. Whom, when you see in a movie, you know you're in good hands. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're going to do Dragonheart. But, um, yeah, that's where I put him. Because he's sort of the the low-key guy who's, like, looking out for for the girls um, and is sort of in Hayward's inner circle and yeah. then uh, unfortunately dies in yeah. the second attack. Um, I didn't tell you this because I didn't. Uh, want to? Um, but uh, it kind of cool. bu- it kind of bugged me. Kind of bugged me that we cast more white people than Native American people. So I honorable mentioned Uncas. <gasps> I cast Martin Sensmeyer from Magnificent Seven, and he's also in Wind River mm. as uh, Gil Birmingham's son as well. Well, it's time to get off your high horse. Oh yeah, because I also <laughs> did the same thing. <laughs> Because like I said, I just I kept seeing these actors that I was like, right, I've seen this guy and stuff, but he's like a young man. Yeah. I picked Boo Boo Stewart. Who, yeah. Um, I feel like his has sort of made his way in the in the Disney realm. He was in an in X-Men the, movie. Um, uh, so, yeah, he's out there and he's uh, very good. Yeah. And yeah. Um, a couple things from this movie before we wrap up. Um, I just I just love how accurate the war tactics were when like the mm-hmm. British are marching in a line and then like the Mohawks like sneak attack. Was it the Mohawks or the Huron? I forget which tribe the, they were. The the Huron, right? Because that's what Magua. Magua is Huron, but he's like joined with the Mohawks. Uh, that's what I thought. Even though the Mohawks like mm, killed his know. kids or something. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Very strange story. Um. But they're, so they're like streaming out of the woods, guerrilla mm-hmm. warfare style. And the British are like, form ranks, <laughs> form ranks. And it's like, no, do not form ranks. I do love a good um, because this like there's a there's a certain beauty to like sword play fighting like Braveheart, like that kind of thing. But I find this to be one of the most interesting styles of war to sort of look at because during this period, like everybody was using muskets, like which one is shot muskets, the worst. Like it is so hard. So eventually, you see people who they shoot and then they just turn the gun around because you're just gonna all you have to use now is your gun as like a weapon to hit like a people bludgeon. with. Yeah. Um, Jared Harris is in this movie. He is. Yes, he's like the uh, the lieutenant who comes to the um, fort where they're all meeting to talk about the militia. He is the British soldier who's like come to tell everybody about it. Oh, I think I missed him. Well, uh, my favorite part of this movie is the sort of um, very great attention to detail of the origin of lacrosse bros <laughs> in the beginning. Whether it's like, do you want to join the militia? No, dude, gotta go. And they like take <laughs> off their shirts and they just start like fucking playing lacrosse with their sticks. With their fucking sticks. They're like, uh. <laughs> I was like, this is wonderful. This is so funny that they're lax bros in this movie. Um, I have to say congratulations to Trevor Jones, who made the music for this movie. 
It was pretty good. And yeah. it is an absolutely stunning arrangement. And then not congratulations to Brandy Edelman, who I guess because the editing process messed up a lot of the music cues. So they had to bring in somebody else uh. to finish some of the music. And his cues are not, it's not the same style. And so it's not as good. Yeah. But Trevor Jones, this music, I write to this uh, um, soundtrack all the time. Really? Yeah. Because oh. it's one of my favorites. I'll, I'll have to pay closer attention to it. Like right now when it's playing. Uh <laughs> Unless you have any other... Nope, nope. I think we did it. Yeah, I think we did it. Guys, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Boot, The Last of the Mohicans. Uh, please rate us. Please subscribe. Please check out our other movies. We have a couple more movies before the end of the year, <gasps> before we take a break. So cherish these, you know? Cherish them. You're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> for this free content, guys. Um, yeah, leave us a comment. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Kenneth, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us on social media together as one at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately because I want to eat the gray hair's heart <laughs> at Kenneth Trent and at Flynnby. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Heading west. Well, we kind of face to the north and real sudden like turn left.